you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. tonight and I'll, I'll try I'll try not to be too long tonight but I, I I do want to say what I believe the Lord would have me say John chapter 12 and verses 20 and 21 John chapter 12 verse 20 and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Sir, we would see Jesus. By the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach from that subject, sir. Or ma'am, we would see Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence we, we felt in this house tonight. Lord, we pray that your anointing would rest upon the messenger, the word of God. Lord, that you would accomplish the purpose for which you're sending in our hearts tonight. And that there would be an apostolic reign of anointing in this house. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord tonight. Lift your voice and give him praise one more time. Come on, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. I'll remain standing. Sir, we would see Jesus. Our text picks up in the middle of the story near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and life. The popularity of Jesus had risen to great heights. The people were talking about him everywhere. Not just everywhere he went, but everywhere. Jesus was the subject. His miracles were the talk in the homes of the region. If you read through that text, you can see why that the religious leaders were all becoming concerned. People were turning to him for answers. In this passage, just before our text, we see that the political and spiritual leaders of that day were becoming very frustrated. The Jews were leaving Judaism 
to believe on the Lord and to follow after him and his teachings. The people from the nations round about all the region were gathering to hear the teachings of Jesus and to witness his miracles. And when they would hear his teachings and witness his miracles, the Bible gives us very clear insight that they were believing on him and they were following him because they were hearing his words and they were seeing miracles happen. The Bible said there were a group of Greeks that came and they came to Philip and here in our text, these group, these Greeks, it was not just any Greek but certain Greeks, the Bible said. When the Bible says that there were certain, it, it means they were specific. These weren't random, run-of-the-mill. Perhaps they were leaders, rulers. They were people of authority, people of renown. It was certain Greeks among them that came and they came to worship at the feast. They were Greeks that had come to the feast and they were to participate in the, in the worship with the Jews. And these Greeks that came to worship, they came and they came to where Philip and some of the other disciples were. And when they came there, they said, we, we, we can't just come and be this in this region and, and not do more than just be here. They came and said, we, we've got to go find these disciples. And when we find the disciples, we must have them point us to where Jesus was. Often Jesus would perform miracles and he would tell them, go and tell no man. There was a reason that Jesus was telling them to go and tell nobody because he knew, because of foreknowledge, he understood. He knew that the people would make fame of his name and they would begin to talk about him and he knew, he knew the outcome. He knew this would speed up the, 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 the rulers of, of that day and the religious leaders of that day. It would, it would speed up the process of them coming to where he was and at the appointed time. He, he wanted it to happen at the appointed time and not a day earlier. And so he would tell them, go, go and tell no man. He would heal lepers or open blind eyes and he would tell them, go, go and tell nobody. Just, just go and live out your life, but, but don't tell. But the news of such incredible things that were happening, that miracles have a way of spreading. The news of miracles happening spreads all over the country, all around the place, services where people are healed and set free. It, it, it happens to catch people's attention and, and, and such news spreads round about. And so this news was spreading and people were talking and they were all making a fuss over it. It wasn't President Biden or, or Pelosi or, 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 or whomever it may be that they were discussing and talking about, but it was Jesus. It was Jesus they were talking about because they had seen him do miracles. They, they had seen him take and feed 5,000 and they had seen the lame walk and the deaf ears unstopped and the blind see. They had, 
seen of his miracles and now these Greeks come into town and it was almost like uh, it was something that, that they had never experienced. Perhaps they had they, they came together and said, listen, we, we can't go back to Greece without taking the time to go by and see if by chance we could just catch a glimpse of Jesus. I've been to places before and said, you know, since we're in the area, we're just going to have to stop by. We've got to go see this site. You can't drive through South Dakota without saying, well, I'm going to go see the Badlands or I'm going to go see Mount Rushmore or, or, or whatever it may be. You can't, you can't go to certain parts of the world without saying, my wife says she can't go to, to uh, Chicago without going by and, and getting some, some popcorn. What's the name of What's the name of that? Garrett's Popcorn. She says, you know, I'm, I mean, we're in Chicago. It may be 45 minutes across uh, to, to Garrett's, but I can't go to, to Chicago. You know, we just, we, we may as well go ahead and stop by Garrett's and pick up popcorn. It's, you know, since we're in the area, we, we may as well just go ahead and, and, and do that. I'm, I'm kind of that way with, with food. You know, uh, sometimes I just, I, I've got to, I got to just stop by. This is, this was kind of the way the Greeks were. Since we're in town, we've heard so much about him. Let's just go and see. So the Greeks go, these certain Greeks go to Philip and other disciples, Andrew, and, 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 and they say to them, Sirs, we would see Jesus. Strange how the King James Version puts it. Basically, they came and said, Sir, if there's any possibility, we would like to have a little time. We would like to visit with Jesus. We would like to meet Jesus. But they put it in such a term, and I like it, and I'm going to preach about it for a few minutes tonight. Sirs, we would see Jesus. I believe that the world that we're living in today is reaching a point that once again, we need an apostolic church that will show the world Jesus. I believe the world is growing increasingly tired of dead, dry church, dead, dry religion. I don't want to come across cocky and arrogant or smart like tonight, but I'm going to tell you a few moments ago, I couldn't turn around and look behind me because I did one time during the service and I saw blank faces and I saw people with hands in their pocket and I saw people paying no attention at all to what's going on. Sirs, we need to see Jesus every time we come in the house of God. We need to make it a point. I'm not just coming to fill slot in my calendar but I need to see Jesus I want to see Jesus the world needs to see Jesus I believe this region of north central Indiana is looking for something and we have what they're looking for I hear our world crying out to the church Sirs, we would see Jesus. I don't want to hear political speeches. I don't want to see more fancy clothes. I don't care what kind of car you drove up here in. I don't care what kind of house you drove away from to get here. I don't care how much money you have in the bank or don't have in the bank. 
I don't care how big of a talk you can talk. I came tonight to tell you people that walk in the doors of this building are not concerned with your suit and tie. They are concerned with whether or not you have access to Jesus. Because if you have access to Jesus, they're looking to you saying, show me Jesus. I want to find Jesus. Point me to Jesus. Sirs, we would see Jesus. I have a message that could potentially change the world. When you encounter Jesus, your life will never be the same again. I was talking to one of our missionaries a while back that ministers in one of the Muslim regions of the world. And he said the world, that world, that region, will argue over what's right and what's wrong. They'll argue over Scripture. They'll listen to you. But they'll argue over scripture but he said there is one thing that the world cannot argue with and that is when miracles happen he said that's why it's so important that the church get prayed up and that when we walk in the doors, we see miracles, signs, and wonders. The operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Come on. I know it's kind of dry and dead in here a little bit tonight. But I'm going to tell you what's going to bring about growth and revival and an apostolic outpouring. It is going to be when people realize that the only way that it is going to happen is when we are prayed up and on fire and ready for miracles, signs, and wonders, deliverances, devils cast out, people healed. The lame walk, the deaf hear, and the dumb speak. The world wants to see Jesus. The missionary said they can't argue with a miracle. They can't argue with an experience. Listen, Pentecost is more than a denomination. As a matter of fact, Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is an experience. And it's an experience that is, an, that is associated with an encounter. Gentry and I were at a place the other day. A nice lady came, began to talk to us. Gentry and Destiny, my wife and I. This lady, we've met her last year. We were back in a restaurant this year and she came. And she looked at my wife and Destiny and she said, are you Pentecostal? She said, I could tell by your dress and by your modesty, we began to talk to her, found out where she was from, began to talk to all she knew, all she knew about the church. She mentioned another church. She mentioned a place that she had gone. She said, I want to like the church. She said, I, I tried. I, I wanted to like the church. And she began to talk to us. And all that she was concerned about, all she was concerned about when she was talking, she said, she said, she said, I, I like what I felt. She, she didn't have an issue with our separation from the world. She wasn't struggling with our separation from the world. She wasn't struggling with our dress. She wasn't struggling with the fact that we go to church a lot. She wasn't, that wasn't her struggle. She said, I, I went, she said, I liked what I felt. She said, there, there was something there. She said, I need it. She said, she said, there was just something there. She said, but, but when the preacher got up, listen, it wasn't of our faith. She said, when the preacher got up, she said, I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed a lot about it. She said, but when the preacher got up, 
got up. She said there was something. She said it seemed like he was trying too hard. She said he was trying to be relevant, trying to be cool. She said, I liked what I felt through the whole worship. She said, I sensed the sincerity of the people. I saw the sincerity of all the people I saw. She said, but when the man got up, she said he wanted to talk a lot about himself and he wanted to talk a lot about what he had and where what he had done and the things about him. She said, I, I didn't really care about that. Listen, that let that be a sign to this church. When people come in, then we need a building. I understand. We have a wonderful place, but they don't care how beautiful our building is or how great of a how great of Sunday school classes we have. When they come in the doors, they are looking. Somebody point me to Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Sirs, I want to see Jesus. Hey, music team, I want to see Jesus. Hey, teacher, I want to see Jesus. They had all come together for the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. It was a, it was a traditional feast day. I want to talk to you a little bit about Pentecost. Pentecost is not a denomination, it's an experience. And it gathered its name from a feast of Pentecost. It was a feast when all the people had come together. It's the feast in which the book of Acts, the second chapter, is built around. This is why they call it the Pentecostal experience. Before there was a Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, there was already a feast of Pentecost. The feast already happened. They came together for the feast of Pentecost. It was a traditional feast. There were The, the, the only difference is, is on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, there was a little something different that happened because for the last three years, Jesus had been healing the blind and he had been teaching. And the closer that he got to this year, the more that he was talking about, and more, more that... that that, that things were being talked about but they finally put him to death and now the day uh, after they had put him to death there was talk that this man that had walked on water this man that had that had opened blind eyes and deaf ears this man named Jesus they it, that he had been seen in the streets after that they had put him to death so it was still the talk of town they were wondering who and what and how and 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 and, and, and trying to understand it. But there was about 120 that Jesus told to tarry in the upper room in Jerusalem. About 120 of them who believed were in a small upstairs apartment building in the middle of Jerusalem and they had a prayer meeting going on. It, it once again was the talk of town. The Bible said it was noised abroad meaning people were talking about it. They, they were talking about the prayer meeting going on. They were talking about what was happening. The, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ had changed everything around Pentecost. They normally sat around the, the dinner table on the feast day of Pentecost and they talked about, you know, uh, Aunt, Aunt Mabel's, uh, uh, Aunt Mabel's uh, 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 good food that she cooked and, and Aunt Martha and, and, and Aunt Elizabeth and, and, and they, they, they're visiting with the cousins and the nephews and, and, but, but this year it's different. They're sitting around saying, I don't really know what's happening but there's some folks that are even missing from the feast 
Eucharist. They're down there in a prayer meeting. This Jesus that they're talking about that resurrected from the dead, they're saying that they saw him before he left. He told them to go and tarry in Jerusalem. They're down there having a prayer meeting. It was a talk of town. The Bible said the prayer meeting was noised abroad. And on the final day of the feast, the very last day, something happened that had never happened before because Pentecost was about to become more than just a feast day. But Pentecost was about to become a powerful day of experience, a day of apostolic encounter. For many, for many Pentecost was about to become a day of change in their life. And I pick up in Acts, the second chapter, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were together in one place, in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Up to this point, Pentecost was just a celebration with no eternal significance. But at that point, the day of Pentecost ushered in the power of God to change a life. At that point, the church picked up the name of the Pentecostal experience because it happened on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost has never been a denomination. Pentecost has been about an outpouring. Pentecost has been about the Holy Ghost being poured out. Pentecost has been about miracles, signs, and wonders from the very beginning in Acts chapter 2. Lives were literally being transformed by this encounter, by this new experience of the Holy Ghost. People began to question, what must we do in Acts chapter 2? Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunk, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Now when they heard this, the Bible said in verse 37, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter jumps up in the middle of the crowd and said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, for the promise uh, is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off uh, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It didn't end there. It went on. There were 3,000 added to the church. The church continued. They tried to put the church out. They tried to burn the church out. They tried to crucify the church out. They tried to kill the church out. The disciples were all killed but one way. The apostles were killed one way or another, but they could not stop the church. They could not end what was happening. It went through a time, the silent years. It went through the dark years. It went 
through the times when nobody knew because they had to worship in underground places and, and without it being abroad. But the Bible said already in the last days, saith God, I will pour, pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I believe the last days started at the turn of the century of the 1900s when in a Bible college prayer meeting there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and a little lady began to speak with other tongues and others began to be filled with the Holy Ghost and Azusa Street became a product of it and it spread from Azusa Street and it kept spreading to all of the world. Seven years ago, Annette and I visited Azusa Street in Los Angeles. It was very disappointing. We got there looking for the place where perhaps Azusa Street had actually happened. And all that was there was a sign on a signpost on the side of the street. And that sign just simply said, This is where the Pentecostal movement began before spreading around the world. I was disappointed. I was disappointed on two fronts. First of all, that's not where the Pentecostal movement began. I just told you where the Pentecostal movement began. It began on the day of Pentecost when it was poured out. But the modern day apostolic Pentecostal movement sprang out of a little storefront right there on Azusa Street. And now the only thing left is a sign. No church. There was a building there. Had a big for rent sign. There is no telling in Los Angeles what they would want to rent that building for. I have to be honest with you. My wife did not want me to resign this church to move there, but she wanted me to rent that building and start a church there. I said, how are we going to do that? She said, I don't know. God and you will figure it out. I didn't even call or ask about the building. She was taking phone numbers. She said there needs to be an apostolic church started right here on this street corner. I agree there needs to be an apostolic church started there. But the problem with many churches around the world today is that all they are is they just simply still have a sign. They have a sign that says they're apostolic Pentecostal, but they don't have much else that says they're apostolic Pentecostal. Come on, that's never going to be said of Christian Life Church. We are apostolic Pentecostal, one God, Jesus' name. We still believe in the Holy Ghost. We still believe in dancing in the Spirit. We still believe that the Holy Ghost is being poured out. We still believe you'll speak in tongues when he pours out his spirit. We still believe in separation from the, come on somebody, if you're apostolic Pentecostal, you ought to be on your feet. You ought to be giving God glory and praise for the opportunity to be in this century, to be in this generation because the end of the world is so near and it's you and I that have on our shoulders the responsibility to carry this gospel. The world is looking to us. Sirs, we would see Jesus. What are we showing them? Oh, come on, somebody give God praise. (laughs) 
We need to show the world Jesus. Give me a few more minutes. I won't be much longer. This is not a time for us to step back. This is not a time for us to become a timid church. This isn't a time for us to become a quiet church. It isn't a time for us to become a church of mourners or a church of the Laodicea that would just come in and be warm, be lukewarm. But this is time for the church to be prayed up, time for the church to be on fire, time for the church to be worshiping. I read an article some time ago that one of the mainstream, one of the largest mainstream denominations and most prestigious religious conventions in North America voted. They long had been in opposition. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost evidence was speaking with other tongues. But that mainstream, popular, wealthy denomination voted to accept speaking with tongues and make it acceptable in their churches. Somebody said, well, I guess they're just trying to compete with us. No, but look out on what's going to come next. Because Jesus turned and looked at those that criticized the worshipers and said, if these hold their peace, I will cause the very rocks to cry out. You know what I believe in this last day? I believe God is going to, there's going to be entire churches, maybe entire denominations that are going to come to the knowledge of truth in this last days. Because in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Gone are the days of religious ritualism. Gone are the days of church as usual. We don't need more religious formalism. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to transform lives, to change individuals. We need the power of Pentecost. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Oh, somebody give God praise in the house. There's nothing like the power of the Holy Ghost. I've seen, I saw a woman vexed with the devil set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. I've witnessed a man who could not hear or speak completely healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Just a few years ago in Chicago, Illinois, I witnessed Dylan lay his hands on a young girl that had never heard from her birth and God miraculously healed her hearing. And I talked to Brother Gonzalez later and he said she's still healed. Don't let anybody tell you that that he has stopped healing in these last days. I've seen cancer healed. I've seen the dead brought back to life. I've seen miracles. It still happens today. Don't tell me the day of miracles are over. It's hard to argue with experience. Sirs, we would see Jesus. In John chapter 9, a young man who had been blind since his birth was healed by the power of God. The religious people began to doubt. Others said Jesus was full of the devil and he healed the young man by the power of Satan. It's amazing what unbelievers will say. When you signed up for this, 
and God filled you with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter who says what. I talked to a young man today that said something to me about, well, so-and-so said something, and, and, and they were saying something against something about whatever. I said, who are they? And what does it matter? You want to call me a holy roller? Go ahead and call me a holy roller. You want to call me one God apostolic tongue talker? You want to mock at my worship? You want to mock at my praise? Go ahead and say what you want. But I stand here before you today in my right mind when I should have lost my mind. I stand here before you today with my family saved when they should have been lost. I stand here today with my wife healed. He's been too good to me for me to sit here and not say I choose to live this life sirs we would see Jesus they went into that young man for questioning said how did he heal you this man's vexed with devils he healed you by the power of Satan (laughs) the testimony of that young man rings to the ages And he said, I don't really have any answers for you. But this much I know. I once was blind. Oh, my God, have mercy. But now I see. I may not be able to give you all the answers about the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation, but I can tell you one thing. I once was blind, but now I see. I can tell you some things about the power of the Holy Ghost that'll turn somebody's life around, that'll break the yoke of addiction on somebody's life, that'll put somebody back together, that'll heal the wounded. This is what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus. It's an experience like no other. Sirs, we would see Jesus. I'm closing, but I want you to know tonight that God has commissioned this preacher to come to this pulpit with a message of hope and deliverance. And a reminder to every one of us that have become so familiar with the moving of the God Spirit. So familiar with good music and good singing. We have enough preachers. You may not like my preaching, but there's enough preachers that come through here. Are enough preachers in this church that grace this pulpit that you have more than enough to be saved on. We don't like good preaching. We don't like good anointed singing. We don't like good good talent. We have great Bible study teachers. We have a wonderful youth program, wonderful family ministries, wonderful counseling ministries, wonderful Sunday school program, wonderful children's ministry, and I could go on and on and on. Everybody with excellence, the door greeters, the ushers, the laborers, the parking lot team, the security team, the ushers, those that clean the church, the sound, the lights, all of the technical team, everybody works with excellence. Everybody does everything with excellence, and we should. We should put our best foot forward. I I, I long for us to have the best program, Sister Cheryl, the best of everything. I want us to have the best of everything. We lack in a lot of areas. 
I want us to be the best at it. Let's strive for that. Not perfection, but let's strive for excellence. Let's do the best we can everywhere. But in the middle of all of our striving, in the middle of all of our ministries and programs, in all of our giving that brings recognition to the church, Christian Life Church top giver, Christian Life Church supports this missionary and that. Christian Life Church establishes this, this ministry and that ministry. I don't want to be known as a pastor that leads a church with the best programs, the best music, the best preaching, the best teaching. All of those things are wonderful. I long for it. But I would give all of that up for one thing. For us to be a church that every time that somebody walks in the doors of this building, they say, I walked in for church, but I found Jesus. I showed up for an event, but I found Jesus. The world's looking for Jesus. I may miss in many areas of my life. I may fall short in many areas of ministry. If I could do one thing, I want to exemplify Jesus. I saw these children up in the front tonight, jumping and worshiping. They don't understand it all. Don't bother them. Let them grow up learning to be worshipers. I saw this youth up here tonight worshiping. They're not perfect. We've got some wonderful youth. They're not perfect. Don't mess with them about their weaknesses and failures. Just show them Jesus. We have people walk in the doors of this building from every walk of life. I had a man walk in today. He said, Pastor, I need some help. I opened my wallet, gave him everything I had. I actually drove away from the church. God spoke to me. I turned around. Annette and Aiden and I drove back. I handed him everything I had in my wallet. And I don't want to be a church that just blesses the poor, or just gives to the needy. But I want to be a pastor at a church that shows every person that walks in the doors of this building, this is what Jesus looks like. This is who Jesus is. If it's been a while for you since you've had a real encounter with Jesus, I want to open these altars to you tonight. If you've never met him, I want to open these altars to you. I want everybody in this building to find Jesus before you leave here tonight. I know we're in a rush to get to other places, but could we take just a little time? And could we find Jesus in this house tonight? Come on, CLC. We need to get on our face and seek the Lord tonight. Maybe you can't come and stand. Maybe you can't kneel. Maybe you can sit right where you are. But let's not move about talking tonight. Let's just take a few moments to touch God. Let's find Jesus in this house tonight. You can't lead people to somebody that you don't know. 
they went to Philip because he was a disciple. He was, he was one that knew who he was. He knew where he was. He could lead them. He could lead them to Jesus. Maybe you've been living in spiritual poverty. Maybe your spiritual bank account is overdrawn or maybe your life is even bankrupt. This is the day that you've been waiting for. Why don't you come and encounter Jesus tonight? Come on, let's just seek him for a few moments. Come on, let your heart cry out to the Lord right now. Let your heart cry out to him right now. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Oh, God. While he can be found, seek the Lord while he can be found. He's here for you right now. He's here for you right now. Take me back to where we started. I opened up my heart to you. And I'm sorry when I've come. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart. 